Well, hello. My name is Dave, the love bug, and you could be listening to this in one of two places. So I'm going to be publishing this to my anchor station uh, this morning, this morning being Friday the 15th of September. I'm also going to be posting this as an episode to Hacker Public Radio. Um, in a response to episode 2377 of Hacker Public Radio, where Mr. X um, drove into work and recorded his commute, uh, I thought I would do the same. Um, and it actually kind of falls in line with something that I said I was going to do uh, on Anchor a couple of days ago, where I said I was going to record my entire commute into work. So all is good, all is good. So, um, if you're listening on HPR and you've never heard of Anchor, then you can find my Anchor station over at thelovebug.org forward slash Anchor. If you're on Anchor and you've never heard of Hacker Public Radio, then you can find my profile on, or my correspondent page, should I say, on Hacker Public Radio at thelovebug.org slash HPR. So, um, in terms of... Uh, Hacker Public Radio, I did a little bit of, uh, of looking back as to how prolific I've been with recording episodes for HPR, and it looks as though I'm doing this at exactly the right moment. Now, the general um, understanding, expectation, rule is that as a correspondent, you should record one episode at least once a year. Now, there are some people who record significantly more frequently than that, and there are other correspondents that record significantly less frequently than that. But looking at my history, I have only recorded two episodes. I have appeared on others, but as a correspondent, I have only ever recorded two episodes. One um, was episode 1890, 1890, which was entitled A Short Walk, shut up, A Short Walk With My Son. Uh, that was back in October of 2015, and uh, that was me walking back from uh, church with my son on a Saturday morning, uh, which I believe ended with me bumping him up the front steps at my house in his pushchair, uh, which he found incredibly funny. Um, my second episode for HPR was episode 2117, um, which was a What's in My Bag for Podcrawl, which I recorded back in September of 2016. Oh, stop making that horrible noise. There we go. Um, where I detailed in quite nauseating detail and also on video um, what I was taking to Podcrawl in the way of technology. Uh, amusingly, the majority of which I didn't actually use. So, <clears throat> October 2015, September 2016, it's now September 2017, so I am absolutely ripe for recording this for HPR. So, I'm recording this on uh, my work Samsung Galaxy A5 um, with a newer NWEWER. Lavalier, Lavalier, sorry, not Lavalier, Lavalier mic, uh, as recommended very frequently by Jonathan Culp. Um, I have used, right, this, I'm going to have to put the windscreen wipers on and you're going to get the squeaky noise all the time. So hopefully it's not too bad. Um, yeah, he's used it pr prolifically on his HPR recordings and I've done a couple of recordings um, on Anchor using it. 
uh, recording using the Ophonic Edit Android app um, as a recorder. Uh, two reasons for that. Firstly, because it's damn good recording software. Uh, and secondly is I am going to run this through Orphonic as a web service to clean up the audio before I publish it to both of the locations where it's going to be ultimately sent to. Um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, so I'm going to mention it again. Um, I do have uh, a number of options available to me for recording podcasts on the go. Um, so this is one of them, the lapel mic with one or more of my, um, my portable devices, be it my, my work phone, my phone or, um, or my tablet. <coughs> uh, but I also have the um, the portable podcasting setup that I created that I used on Wednesday evening to record a conversation with my son Alex, uh, which I posted to Anchor on Wednesday evening. If you're on Anchor, have a look at my um, my episodes and you'll see one there called Sat on My Doorstep, Episode 1. Uh, <laughs> yes. So the setup there is my, um, my uh, Google Pixel C tablet with a USB-C to um, USB-A on-the-go adapter. Uh, in which I then plug my USB microphone um, uh, audio tech. No, it's not an audio technica. It's a Samsung 2Q ah, Q2U, Samsung Q2U, which I have mentioned on HPR before. Um, it's the equivalent of the audio technica to 2100 USB, um, which is a USB and an XLR mic, and it's actually the microphone that I use. Um, in my studio for podcasting and uh, doing the podcast each week. Uh, so it's a very, very good and incredibly good value for money microphone. Um, and even some of the uh, professional podcasters like Daniel J. Lewis of um, the Audacity to Podcast uh, recommends the Audio Technica 2100 USB as a good, um, a good po podcasting mic, particularly for those people on a budget. Um, we don't monetize any of our podcasting activities, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, good value for money, stroke budget, works for me. So yeah, um, when I'm out and about and I'm doing podcasting, that'll be the setup I use. So a tablet, the adapter, USB microphone, and I'll record into the Euphonic Edit app as well. So yeah, it is all good. Um, yeah, Mr. X, um, when he did his episode a few days ago on HPR, he was talking about the cars that uh, that he's had in the past. He's got he had two Ford Folk, two, two Ford Foci. Um, um, but I've actually had a huge number of cars uh, in the past. I first passed my driving test in I think it was 1997 um, at the ripe old age of 24. Four. Um, I was very late starting to drive. I didn't see the point in it. I didn't see the necessity in it, um, so I didn't bother. But um, when I did learn to drive, it was one of those kind of eureka moments. 
wow, I can drive, I can move myself around, I am going to drive absolutely everywhere. And I remember when I first passed my driving test and bought my first car, um, I used to go out at lunchtime uh, from work and just go and drive around for three quarters of an hour uh, because I could. But uh, yeah, my first car uh, was a red Mark I Ford Fiesta. Uh, I believe it was a V um, suffixed registration plate, which would have placed it in 1979. Uh, VWX. Yeah, I'm sure it was a V. Um, it was a 1.1 economy. Uh, now, obviously, the word economy means utterly gutless. Uh, I really struggled to to get any particular performance out of that vehicle. Although, I, just anecdotally, I had a, a, a really amusing situation when I had that car. Um, you could find yourself foot to the floor, following wind, downhill, and you still wouldn't be going more than about 50, 55 miles an hour in it. But I remember driving down the A3 near Guildford in Surrey, in the south of England. <coughs> And uh, I didn't even bother looking at the speedo because I knew that my car wasn't capable of going over 60 miles an hour anyway. So I just, you know, what I thought, bombing down the, the A3, um, Guildford Cathedral in the, uh, in the distance. I remember the, the day very clearly. And there's a, uh, a services a petrol station. Um, and as I was coming up to that, I kind of looked down to see you know, if I needed fuel. And I noticed that my speedo said 100 miles an hour. I'm like, there is no way in the world that this car is doing 100 miles an hour um, so I, I kind of slowed down a bit and I thought this is really really slow and I, look, I noticed that I, I needed fuel anyway so I went to the petrol station and uh, I stopped um, at the petrol pump just about to get out of the car I looked down at the speedo and it said 40 so <laughs> what had actually happened is I must have gone um, past the point of 12 o'clock on the speedometer and the speedo needle had slipped <laughs> 40 miles an hour ahead of itself and um, uh, yeah basically said it was I was doing 100 miles an hour and I wasn't I was doing 60 which was incredibly disappointing and yet somewhat relieving at the same time I don't think my car would have uh, would have coped with the concept of going 100 miles an hour without bits falling off it uh, <laughs> Uh, so my second car after that was a Austin Mini Metro 1.3. It was a metallic blue. Um, and I remember vividly after I'd switched to that car um, that because obviously I'd been used to having to make the car work with my old Ford Fiesta because it was so gutless, um, that the first time I tried to execute an overtake on a um, on a dual carriageway, I nearly went into the vehicle, the back of the vehicle I was trying to overtake, because going from a 1.1 gutless wonder to a 1.3, and admittedly it wasn't a particularly powerful 1.3, it was significantly more powerful than the one I had before. Uh, so I had to kind of very quickly adjust my expectations of the vehicle that I was driving so I didn't crash it. Uh, but that was, it wasn't a bad car. I mean, anybody who's driven a Mini Metro in the past will know they're not exactly the most um, aesthetically pleasing or desirable cars. But to me, it was, uh, it, was, it was quite something. The car I had after that was my pride and joy. 
uh, it was a uh, Suzuki Swift um, L plate, so L prefix in the UK, which means it was from 1991. Um, this would have been about 99, 2000. I got that car and it was gorgeous. It was a 1.4. It wasn't particularly um, high spec, so it was fairly. Uh, what's the word? In fact, no, it would have, it would have been earlier than 1990, uh, 1999. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really high spec. It wasn't the, the interior wasn't very well kitted out, but it was a gorgeous car. It was gorgeous to drive. It was good to look at. It was dark blue uh, Suzuki Swift, and I loved it. Um, unfortunately, around about that time of my life, I entered into financial difficulties, um, and because the vehicle itself was on finance, I was forced, basically, um, voluntarily, admittedly, um, to return the vehicle to its uh, rightful owner, which was the finance company. So, a little bit of a dark situation there, both in sort of terms of my personal life at the time, and also the fact that I had to give up what was essentially a beautiful car. Um, after that, uh, I had another Mini Metro. It was a one, <laughs> a one litre uh, Mini Metro on a D-plate, which would have been 1986 um, registered car. <coughs> um, and it was, it was actually my mum's, it was her car, which uh, she uh, gave to me, actually. But it wouldn't have got much on the, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, part exchange or, or private sale because it was, you know, an old car. It wasn't particularly um, powerful, but it was a car. It got me around, uh, so I was happy with it. it. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. Um, but uh, I had that. I'm trying to think of how long I had that for. Um, I think I must have driven it for a good, a good year, year and a half before I ended up um, replacing it. Uh, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm doing this from memory, and my my chronology of this this next set of cars is a little bit um, a little bit hazy. I believe that the next car I had after that was a company car um, through work because I was actually acting as um, customer services manager at the time. So I had a, um, a company car, uh, which was a white Ford Cavalier, uh, which to me was a tank because having had two Mini Metros, a Ford Fiesta and a Suzuki Swift, I've been used to small cars. Uh, and as we go through the remainder of this chronology, you will appreciate <coughs> that I am very much used to smaller cars. Um, so, yeah, moving on from that, I believe the next car I had was a, a Peugeot 205. Um, Peugeot 205, oh crumbs, what was the designation? It was a 1.4, it was beautiful, it was a red, uh, I think it was an XSI um, in, on, a, on an F plate, so 1998 uh, F prefix registration plate in the UK. Uh, now that was the car that well, my second car that I actually intended to keep for life. Uh, beautiful car, it drove like a dream, it was responsive, it was very, very uh, pokey, uh, well, both in size and in performance. 
Uh, and yeah, that would have been the car I would have I would have kept. And unfortunately, through circumstances outside of my control, that car was um, quite rudely taken away from me. Uh, it was a, a very um, uh, cold and icy night. Uh, the car was parked on a side road where it had been for, you know, six, nine months previous. Um, someone came around the corner at the dead of night. I was asleep in bed um, and misjudged it, skidded, smashed into the car, wrote it off. So absolutely gutted about that um, because, like I say, that, that was the car that I intended to keep. <coughs> After that, um, it was kind of an emergency search for a new car uh, and there was a friend of ours uh, there's a lesson to be learned here there was a friend of ours who would just um, were looking to get rid of their Peugeot 205 uh, and I thought okay well it's a 205 you know where, I can't go wrong with that so um, I bought it it was incredibly good value for money and now I know why <laughs> um, it was uh, I can't remember the, the, the registration plate it might have been C uh, which would have been a 1980, 1985 plate. Um, oh no, it was, oh, blimey, I can't remember now. No, it was 1980s anyway, um, 206. The designation was something R. Um, it was a 1.3 non-injection. Um, and it wasn't that nice a car at all, it was white, it needed a lot of attention, um, the, the engine mounting went on it uh, at one point, so when accelerating away from the standstill, uh, I found the, there was a huge click coming from the engine bay, and that's basically where the mounting had broken, and it was uh, shifting from below the mounting to above the mounting, where the engine was physically moving, so a little bit scary, um, but the car had a number of problems with it, uh, not least of which was um, it, the thermostat went so it would overheat at, uh, at a moment's notice. So I uh, called the AA out, AA out, the Automobile Association uh, that I was a member of at the time, and they just said, look, we'll take the thermostat out um, and just be aware that you've got no temperature control on the, uh, on the engine. Anyway, got rid of that um, and switched to my first diesel car, actually. Um, it was a K-registered, which would have been 1990, um, diesel 1.7 diesel uh, red Vauxhall Astra that was a nice car actually um, first diesel car I owned very very much uh, very different experience to drive um, a, a diesel car for the first time but you know you kind of adapt to these things learn the the different foibles of, 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 of driving and how the engine responds to you when you uh, when you drive it. Um, had a weird quirk in that the air intake for the engine was really, really close to the ground. So I was always advised, if you're gonna go through a puddle, go through incredibly slowly. Um, otherwise, the air intake will basically suck up the water from the, from the road uh, into the engine and, and boom, you'd, uh, you'd break your engine. Um, unfortunately, that car although it was was a good car it was reliable I really enjoyed driving it um, it had a fault that I wasn't aware of um, in terms of the oil uh, there was an oil leak and if you've ever known 
or ever ever had a, a diesel, you'd know that having oil in the in the car is absolutely critical um, because of how the the engine works. Um, I mean, yeah, okay, it's critical to have oil in any engine, but more so in a diesel. So um, we didn't realise it. We uh, in 2003 we went to uh, to buy a new car. Uh, we still didn't have kids by that, this point. Um, we went to Carcraft in Sheffield, a huge car supermarket, um, and bought our first family car, which was a blue Peugeot 206 on a white plate, which would have been 20, uh, 2001, 2001. Um, and we actually learned, because I remember this clearly, we bought it on the 29th of March 2003. Uh, the car was registered on the 29th of March 2001, so we actually bought the car on its, on its second birthday which we took as a, as a good omen. I uh, don't know whether it was or not. Um, but we exchanged the old uh, Vauxhall Astra. Um, we uh, exchanged, uh, put it out in this part, part exchange. And when they took the car, which they took without question, they said to us, we really don't know how you drove this car here because it was imminently to fail. Because of the, the oil leak, um, engine failure was, was absolutely imminent. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, pick that up when driving the car in at all I didn't pick up that there was any problem with it whatsoever um, so yeah we were quite lucky to get rid of it so yeah we had this um, this uh, Peugeot 206 beautiful three-door um, metallic blue vehicle which we had for a good number of years and uh, it was uh, it was a lovely car I loved driving it, it had all the mod cons um, electric windows uh, had a did it have a sunroof yes it had a sunroof um, it had no, it didn't have a sunroof. Sorry, my apologies. Um, but it did have climate control, air conditioning, and a decent stereo system. It, oh, no, it, it was lovely. Um, unfortunately, it started to generate, uh, sorry, to, to to display issues uh, to do with the engine management system. And when we moved up to uh, South Yorkshire, where we're living now, we took it to a garage that we we trusted. Um, and they replaced so many parts on it. They did a lot of work on it. Most of the work they did for us, they didn't charge us for because they recognized that the work that they had done didn't actually make any difference, so they didn't charge us, which I think is incredible customer service. Uh, it goes without saying that, you know, we still use that garage now, you know, 14 years later. Um, no, they've, they've been great for us. Uh, so yeah, we had to get rid of it, um, but it was around about around this time we actually became a two-car family, um, and I need to try and work out exactly what the chronology was here, um, and I'm going to get this wrong, I know, but over the next few years we kind of flitted between a number of vehicles, so I'm pretty certain the next car I got after the um, the 206 is a Vauxhall Vectra Estate, which is on a V plate, a V prefix, which would have been 1999. Um, registration, that is, not the, the, the year. Um, and that was actually given to us by my stepdad because he realised that we were having problems with our current car. He basically donated that car to us, which was incredibly generous of him. 
Um, but I think under the same circumstances, had he tried to uh, part exchange that or, or do a private sale, he wouldn't have got much cash for it anyway. So he figured that you know donating it to somebody who can make use of it would be um, <clears throat> would be beneficial. So yeah, that was a good car. It was an automatic estate. Um, beneficial for so many reasons. I mean, it was the first automatic I had, the first automatic that, that the wife drove. Um, so she actually used it um, primarily. We, we only had one car at the time. So I think Caroline was doing um, public transport to work most of the time and I had it for commuting into Nottingham. I was still working in Nottingham City at the time, which was a uh, 45 minute commute. Um, sorry, I'm behind a very, very slow transit van. Uh, so I had that primarily, and then I then went out and bought a Nissan Almira. Um, I can't remember the license plate on it. Excuse me, I'm doing an overtake that I probably shouldn't. There we go. Um, yeah, I had an, a, a red Nissan Almira, which I think was on uh, an L, a K plate. Uh, K registered uh, Nissan Almira. So then we went back up to a two car family. So Caroline had the Vectra estate, I had the Almira, and you know, it all was, uh, all was gravy. Um, and then I can't remember which, which car went first, but um, we went through uh, another series of vehicles. So um, I think the Almira was replaced by. Um, Oh, do you know, I can't remember which way around it was. Anyway, we, we lost the, um, over time we lost the Almira and the, um, the Vectra. Uh, we got rid of both of them because they both started uh, uh, displaying issues. Um, Caroline, at one point, she ended up with a red Vauxhall Corsa, um, which she just couldn't get on with. So we, we got a shot of that as well. Um, and then I... I think when Caroline had the Vauxhall Corsa still, uh, hang on, let me work this one out. I th yeah, I think when, when Caroline had the Vauxhall Corsa still, I bought myself um, from a friend of ours. Uh, and I know we bought from a friend before and it was a bad experience. At least I knew that this car had been looked after. And that's the car that I'm actually driving at the moment, which is my uh, very trusty um, Volkswagen Lupo. Um, which was actually the Volkswagen equivalent of the Seata Rosa, I believe. The Seata Rosa came out first um, when the, the VAG group bought uh, Seat. They then created a Vauxhall version of the Arosa called the Lupo. Um, and it is, it's a tiny car, it really is. Legally, it can only fit four, um, four people in it, two in the front, two in the back. There's no room for a middle um, uh, a middle passenger in the back seat and we had that as a so solo car for uh, quite a while which meant that we couldn't travel anywhere as a family um, and I remember that Christmas we arranged to go down and see my parents uh, sorry my mum and stepdad uh, and in order to do that we had to hire a car so that we could um, we could actually go down there as a family and we figured that you know, that is just no way of doing it and I wanted to keep this car because it, it is incredibly, and I mean seriously, seriously economical. Um, it does about 70 miles to the gallon of diesel. Sorry, I didn't mention it was diesel, um, the Lupo. And uh, yeah, amazing car. Uh, saved me an absolute fortune 
on uh, on fuel to have this car rather than the Almira. I think it was a petrol car, the Almira, and I think it was doing me something like 28 miles to the gallon. So it was costing me a fortune in fuel when I was doing <coughs> best part of 100 miles a day. <laughs> yeah, work that one out. Um, so yeah, we, we had to do something about the fact that we couldn't go around as a family in this car. So we went to our, 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 what's it called? Oh, crumbs! I can't remember the, the, the place. It's a uh, another car supermarket in um, a car people. That was it. A car people in Sheffield, and had <clears throat> we were going for a look in quotes. We went for a look close quotes um, to see what cars were available and and uh, what it was that we uh, we wanted to look for in a car. So we took the whole family and we went around this uh, this car supermarket looking at cars. And, oh, there were some lovely cars there, they really were. Uh, and they were kind of in the price range we wanted to pay. Um, and uh, I think we, we saw a, a Seat Ibiza, which is, um, sorry, a Seat Leon, which is quite a, a nice sort of small family car. <coughs> and. Uh, there was a, a, a Peugeot 306 we saw, and I think there might have actually been a Renault Megane. Uh, was it a Megane or a whatever the larger version? A Renault Scenic um, that we saw that would have been uh, would have been really nice. Anyway, when we were walking um, walking round, we clocked these cars and we shortlisted some of these cars. Are you going to overtake this or not? Yes, you are. Uh, we shortlisted some of these cars, and we ended up with the Seat Leon, which amusingly I'm actually following a Seat Leon at the moment. Um, Seat Leon, a Renault Megane, because um, we determined that the Scenic would have been too expensive, and this Peugeot 306. So we went back and revisited them, and uh, <coughs> looked at the, the, the prices, the, the features you were getting for it, the mileage. We basically went through and totted up everything, and um, we asked to look at two of the cars. And I can't remember what the other car was, but one of the cars we did ask to look at uh, in detail was the Peugeot 306. And uh, we all took, took, took turns in, in sitting in it. Alex sat in it, the girl sat in it, Caroline sat in it, I sat in it, and it felt comfortable. But then we asked Alex to get out, and he wouldn't. He said, I don't want to get out of this car. So we kind of took that as a sign that maybe this is the car we wanted. And it was an ex-motability, um, <coughs> excuse me, an ex-motability car. Motability is a scheme in the UK where um, people who have um, um, motability issues, um, they buy cars on their behalf and basically rent them out to, um, <coughs> to the people that need them. Uh, so it was a well-kitted out car. It was an incredibly low mileage car. And that's very much the case with motability cars. They tend to be low mileage. And it kind of ticked every box. So we asked for a test drive. So both Caroline and I went and test drove this car. Uh, we went out for just uh, driving the local, um, local uh, industrial estate roads. Um, and yeah, we both absolutely adored the car. So we ended up getting it. So that's where we are now. We have two cars, me with my, <coughs> excuse me, I should have brought a glass of water, a glass of water, a bottle of water. Me with my Volkswagen Lupo, which I'm driving at the moment to work, 
Um, I've been recording 32 minutes so far and probably about a mile from work. So this worked out quite well. And Caroline, well, Caroline with the family car. So when we go places, we go in the family car. If it's long driving, I tend to drive, but uh, Caroline does enjoy driving the car as well. So there we go. Hope you enjoyed that. For the benefit of those of you listening on HPR, there will be full show notes with the details of all the cars um, and a rough chronology of the years we had them. If you're listening on Anchor, um, well, you're going to get this episode today at the time of recording, uh, 15th of September. Um, the guys at Hacker Public Radio will get it uh, later than that, depending on when the next available uh, slow show slot is. Which then raises the point that if you're not listening to Hacker Public Radio, you should be. Um, so hackerpublicradio.org. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because for those that are actually on Hacker Public Radio, you already know about it because you're listening. Yay. Um, so I suppose I should wind down. Um, because it's Friday, I will be uh, doing some planning this evening or this afternoon this evening for tonight's episode of the Bunkcast. Uh, episode 479. Um, will be uh, will be broadcast live tonight. Uh, you're very welcome to join us if you're listening on um, on Anchor. Uh, join us tonight for episode 479 over at thebugcast.org/live. If you're listening on, ooh, nicely done. If you're listening on Hacker Public Radio, then well, just go to thebugcast.org and find out when the next show is. It's probably going to be uh, on Friday. <laughs> um, I have been podcasting for, this is my 10th year of podcasting now, um, released my first episode in March 2008, so in March 2018, which is only three months away, uh, we'll be celebrating both 10 years and also our 500th <coughs> episode of the Bugcast. Uh, I am on other podcasts as well, um, historically more, but other podcasts have kind of like faded and... Um, ended up on hiatus but uh, I'm a, now a regular on TuxJam which you can find at tuxjam.otherside.network um, I am a regular contributor to CC Jam. oh that reminds me I should have put a CC Jam out this week plum my episode as well um, at ccjam.otherside.network um, I appeared on an episode or two episodes in fact of the Ubuntu podcast which I'm really really quite psyched about um, hopefully they'll invite me back um, and other ones as well including Hacker Public Radio and of course my uh, my podcast here on Anchor which has become my audio blog so I am now turning right into the estate um, so the, the drive this morning whoa, let's stop on a roundabout the drive this morning has taken me from um, Conisbrett in South Yorkshire in the UK to New Ollerton in North Nottinghamshire. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's about 28 miles. Um, I recorded this at the point I started the car, so it's taken me 35 minutes, which actually isn't bad at all. Not bad at all. <coughs> kind of a slalom as I as I get in here sort of turn right then left then right then left but I am now uh, now turning into our car park um, and my breakfast buddy is here um, on a Thursday usually 
uh, me and a colleague that I've, I've known for many, many years, we have uh, cooked breakfast here at the office. And uh, he wasn't in yesterday, so I had uh, cooked breakfast on my own. You know, Billy no mates in the, in the restaurant. Uh, so we said we would do breakfast on Friday as well. So he's in and uh, I am now parked up and I'm going to switch this off. I'm going to go in and I'm going to enjoy myself a rather cracking breakfast. So with that having been said, um, thank you very much for listening. If you got this far, please do leave a comment. Um, it'd be nice to know what cars you've got. If you're listening on Hacker Public Radio, why not record an episode uh, about your car yourself? Toodle-boo.